On today's podcast, we have a remarkable individual named Bob Thompson. He's a man who has faced adversity, losing everything he had worked for. However, through unwavering determination and hard work, he managed to rebuild his life from the ground up and achieve remarkable success once again. Bob's story is truly inspirational, and I can't wait for him to share his journey with us. All right, Bob, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to hear your story of where you are a businessman and you lost it all and then uh, you gained it all back. So I'm, I'm definitely, I believe your story is an inspiration um, and more people need to hear it. So uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and go into your story? Yeah, first of all, I want to apologize for the dogs in the background. We've got my brother's dog for the weekend. So you know how that goes. You got two dogs. They know each other, but one's trying to be dominant. So there's a little bit of barking going on. And then, of course, today is the day where apparently the um, there's drama out on the main main road. So you can hear the siren in the background. And, of course, I think the dogs are losing their mind over that. So I apologize for that. Hey, no problem, man. So basically what happened is June, June of 2018, I had heart attack number one. Uh, and heart attacks are not like you see, at least in my case, are not like what you see on TV. Like there was no clutching of the chest and rolling to the ground or the old school Sanford and son, you know, I'm coming to get you, <laughs> coming to see you type of thing. Uh, my left arm was numb and hurt for about an hour my girlfriend finally convinced me to go to the ER and they literally, they checked my blood pressure and they just attacked me. Like they pulled my shirt off. They started, you know, checking my vitals and all of that. It was to the point where literally they, they were setting up for the night flight. So they actually had to airlift me from that hospital to the hospital in Norfolk, uh, Virginia, which is like the heart hospital. So I'm sitting there looking at the doctor and I'm like, am I seriously having a heart attack? He's like, Mr. Thompson, you're having a heart attack. So I said, okay. Um, So I went there. I I had the first heart attack. They put some stents in. Then the night of my birthday overnight, I had another heart attack sometime in the middle of the night, Uh, which again, I think if I would have gone to the hospital earlier for the second one, if I had done a better job of explaining what was going on, like I told my girlfriend, I was like, I feel like I, I what I should have told her was I felt like I was, I was drowning and I kind of was just like, I'm uncomfortable. And I think I've got some heartburn or something like it didn't, it didn't really register completely that I was having a second heart attack. I don't know if I was just naive or figured it couldn't happen again. I don't have an answer for that. So the second one, they took me to the hospital. We went that next morning and they basically looked at me and like, okay, we're done. You're having a bypass. And then they went in and did the quadruple bypass. And I was probably in the hospital probably a good three weeks. Wow. So what was the cause of the heart attacks? Was it just unhealthy habits or was there another reason? Had you known that you were at risk for heart attack or anything like that or? I had no idea I was at risk. I was 46 when it happened. It was a combination of genetics and, and quite honestly, unhealthy habits. At the time, I was still a smoker, which is never a good thing. I mean, I knew I needed to quit, 
and I had cut back, but I hadn't actually gotten to that point. And you, I think you get, you get a little bit of, okay, well, it's not going to happen to me type of thing going on too. Again, I had been healthy up until that point. So I figured, excuse me, even at worst, when I, when we went to the emergency room, I really thought it was going to be, okay, you got some high blood pressure, take this, quit smoking and you'll be fine. So I just, I, I didn't really think that it was going to quote unquote happen to me as it were, at least of all at 46, which apparently is happening more and more these days. But I associated heart attacks with, and it sounds stupid because I am uh, almost 51, but I associated heart attacks with old people, you know, yeah. and, you know, yeah. as you get older, you don't think that you're, you know, like now old people is like my father at 80, you know, I don't consider 50, 51 old. But the fact of the matter is that 20 year olds are walking around all day long, just like I did thinking, wow, that dude is old, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you just don't think it's going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to get a quadruple bypass. Yeah. Originally they thought they were going to do a double and then they went back in and when they went in, they realized things were much worse than what they thought and they had to do the quadruple. So they mm -hmm. uh, pretty much cleared me out. All right. So what happened after the quadruple bypass? Well, I was, you know, I, I knew I was having, once I knew I was having the surgery, I was prepared for it in terms of, okay, I got to start taking better care of myself. I got to do my, my uh, breathing exercises, do my walking to get back in shape. And let me assure you, there's nothing that hurts worse just about than having your chest split open. I mean, it's not, it's not a fun process. And Having to sit in a sit in a chair to take a shower is also not a lot of fun. I ended up uh, because I was living by myself at the time. I had to go stay with my father for a couple of weeks to get myself back to where I needed to be because I didn't want me to be by myself because obviously I needed help getting around and getting fed and all of that. Luckily, I could shower by myself, but you know, but you know that was about it overall. So really what it comes down to is when it's a fascinating thing, when you're successful and you're making money and you're paying your bills on time, everybody loves you. You know, you could even be late a couple of days or whatever the case may be. Everybody still loves you. I explained to my creditors what was going on. And when you don't, when you work for yourself, if you don't work, you don't get paid. I basically ran through my savings, my credit card, everything by the pretty much by the end of 2018 and in the span of a week and a half even though i had talked to everybody i had a great track record i let everybody know hey things are going to get better i got some stuff coming up they wiped me out wells fargo canceled my checking account my credit card and repossessed my car all in about the same week and a half yeah so when it rains it pours man so what before we go any further? What did you do before all this uh, unfortunate things happened to you? What were you doing? How did you make your money? I was a full time real estate agent. I am still a real estate agent. Obviously, I've transitioned into motivational speaking and coaching and all of that. But mm -hmm. uh, real estate has always been my bread and butter. I'm typically top one to three percent in Hampton Roads, Virginia as a solo agent. So I've always done very well and, and been, been very successful with real estate and just, and I had savings and all of that. It just, it wasn't enough to keep going and doing what I needed to do. And again, I was prepared for a downshift, but I wasn't prepared to be down that long 
because I, I honestly, I never thought I would be in that position. And I really, I guess very naively thought that, that the creditors would give me more time and would work with me knowing that, again, I've got this track record of success. You can see my numbers, you know, my numbers are strong. You know that I can make good money. So just give me some time and I'll get back where I need to be. Gotcha. So you were a successful real estate agent. And then you had this heart attack or two heart attacks. Then you had the quadruple bypass. How long were you out of the game, uh, so to speak? I had the bypass essentially the first end of October, somewhere in there. I was down all of November, all of December. January, it seemed like thing like everybody just had waited for me. Like it's a fascinating thing. Like literally, like January first came around, and everybody was like, "Hey, Bob, uh, I need you to help me sell my house. I need you to buy a home, all that other good stuff." So I was down probably a total of three months. I was down a little bit during the summer after the first heart attack because I had to take some time off and recover from that. So that whole from summer of twenty eighteen through the end of the year was very much an up and down period for me in terms of business, again, because I had to take so much time off to recover. And it just, you know, and like I said, I got wiped out. Yeah. So when you say wiped out, you were all your funds, all your money, were you like totally broke? Oh, I was totally broke. Um, yeah. I actually had to, I had a very interesting conversation with my father when my car got repoed and I knew that's what had happened. Like I came out that Sunday morning to go somewhere and the car was gone. And I was like, well, nobody stole this car. <laughs> they finally came for it. And yeah. of course, like at that point, I'd already had the checking account, you know, taken away and the credit card had been canceled. So I called my father and talked to him and he was able to give me the funds to get my car back. I almost got booted out of my apartment and I had to borrow money from a friend to get my rent paid because again, nobody wanted to take the time to wait for me to get better. The biggest thing that I think I learned from that, quite honestly, is that I tried to, to do like a lot of men do and just, you know, be a man and handle the business myself. That's kind of what we're taught to do, or at least, you know, that's what we do. And if I had explained what was going on or talked to my father earlier, it would have been easier on him and it would have been easier on me if I had just been honest and said, look, I'm behind on this payment. Can you help me out? Because instead of him having to make one you know, $900 car payment, he had to spend close to three grand to get the car out of, you know, essentially the repo, the whole nine yards I had to pay to, you know, cause I was several months behind at that point. So if I had just been honest and told my support, my support group, what was going on, things would have been easier for me. Yeah. What was the turning point for you? Like, cause I know that you're going through all this and you're down. What was the turning point where you said, okay, I got to, claw myself back up to the top. And uh, how did you go about doing that? I mean, I, I really wouldn't say there was necessarily a turning point. It was just, I had to be patient and give my body a chance to recover. And like I said, January of 2019, I started coming out of the gate and I've always been a hustler. So it was like, okay, I know things will get better based on my track record. I know I can go back and say, okay, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And I just started to get myself back out there again, reach out to my past clients, friends and family, things of that nature, start making my phone calls again, doing all of the things that make me a successful real estate agent, starting to do them again. 
And you know as well as I do, you know, it's amazing how luck equals hard work nine out of ten times. So you put the time and effort in and then things will happen. And that's basically what happened. I just I couldn't get any lower. I knew that I had a support system that I had gotten my car back. My buddy had paid my rent. So I had a little bit of breathing room and it was like, okay, I've been given these opportunities. I'm alive. I'm still alive. Let's, you know, get this thing moving forward. So you said this was around 2019 that you started to come back up, get get your life back together. But then COVID came, you know, the the lockdown, the pandemic, I'm pretty sure that had to be kind of like, man, you know, first this two heart attacks, then the bypass, and now this pandemic. Um, How did that pandemic uh, affect your journey? Well, at first it was a little bit scary because literally, as you well know, things just kind of went on lockdown very quickly. Like it wasn't a gradual thing. Matter of fact, we had gone to a concert probably two nights before the schools shut down. So then the kids were at home all the time. And all of my higher end properties, we took off the market because we didn't know what was going to happen. Because again, you figure the stock market was fluctuating. So anything... 400,000 and plus, you know, folks were concerned if anybody was going to be buying and selling. So I didn't know what was going to happen. I I really didn't. And so that was part of it. But things took off very quickly. Again, I would say there was probably about a three week dip where there was a lot of uncertainty and we didn't know what was going to happen. But then if anything, COVID's fascinating in the effects that up until COVID, there was a period to where people were buying bigger and better houses, but not perhaps as functional because they weren't spending time in their home. You figure the kids have got a thousand activities that they go to and nobody's, you know, got both parents working. So they're not in the home to enjoy the home. So it wasn't about the house. It was about, let's say the school system, the neighborhood, stuff like that. So they were buying houses, but they weren't necessarily functional. So I think a lot of people started to either get A, a new appreciation for their home if it was functional, or B, decided very quickly, I don't care if it's COVID or not, we need to move because I can't function in this little house, or now I need an office because I work from home and there's no place for me to do any of that, or there's no backyard, whatever the case may be. So there was actually a lot of business to be done during COVID because of that. I think people really started to appreciate their houses a whole lot more. Yeah. You know, that whole lockdown was a very interesting time. During all this, you know, what kept you motivated to get back to the top? I think just good old-fashioned will. And I, I was watching the market, and I kept a close eye on the market. And I am an optimist by by trade, by just who I am. So I was just like, I got to keep – I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to – just sit and collapse at this point you know i've been in real estate for so long there's not a whole i don't have a whole lot of other skills it ain't like i can run out and get a job somewhere so we did we we, you know we battened down the hatches a little bit tightened up the spending of course to be prepared but i just kept my head down and kept working because i just knew that you know things were going to come out on top and that's what i did I, i hustled and i did what i needed to do and i also At that point, the corporate market had come up and a lot of agents are scared of corporate buyers or don't want to work with them or don't understand how they operate. I don't have an answer for that. 
I actually, as soon as the corporate buyers started coming into our market, I started talking to them and use them to my advantage. And it made things easy because they were buying property. So folks didn't have to deal with 15 to 20 people coming through their house on a Saturday or Sunday, least of all in the middle of COVID, when you could have one guy come in, do what do his due diligence and have the corporate buyer purchase the home. And they were happy as they could be. So that worked out a lot. And just trying to partner up my buyers with my sellers a lot seemed to do well too, because that way, my sellers were still getting maximum value. They just, again, were not having 15, 20 people walk through the house on a weekend. What are some key lessons that you learned that you can take away from this whole ordeal? I would say, number one, that you know it can happen to anybody. And I really walked around like I was going to be fine. I had had no health issues in 2016 and 2017. So I certainly didn't feel like I mean, I knew that I needed to quit smoking, but I did not realize that I was in that sort of position. I wasn't massively overweight or anything like that. I was a few pounds overweight, but nothing crazy. I I really didn't think it could happen to me. So maybe that's just call it, you know, being naive. I don't have an answer for that. I just I didn't think it could happen to me. I think the other the big thing and I spoke on it earlier was you can't just keep everything into yourself. Again, I should have asked for help earlier than what I did. It's amazing to me that when you have a support system that you know are your support system, it's very easy to crawl inward and not go to the people that can help you out the easiest or the best because you assume that you're going to handle it all by yourself. And that's exactly what I did, knowing intellectually that that's the wrong approach, but mentally doing that and just trying to handle it myself to the point where literally I'm scraping together dollars and cents because I'm just broke. And I mean, broke, broke, gone. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's Bright Brains with a Z, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast. If you met somebody who was going through a similar struggle, you know, not necessarily a heart attack or a bypass, but just some kind of major setback, what kind of wisdom would you give them? Wisdom that I would give them is to just, you know, unfortunately, you've just got to keep moving forward. You don't have any choice in the matter. I mean, you really don't. You really don't. Two things. I would say, I would say, let people know what is going on. Go to your support system earlier than later, because it will make it easier. Because remember, you're going to bed at night, you're carrying all this burden on your back. You're not sharing it with anybody, all your stress, all your trouble. That's only going to get worse. 
if you go to your support system early and let them know what's going on, it's going to make it easier. And even if they can't help you financially, they may be able to help you take some of that stress and some of that burden off of you a little bit just to make things easier. And that's where I, I massively failed at is I didn't, I didn't tell anybody really what was going on until, you know, I had essentially hit bottom at that point. So now that you've no longer in that place that you were, are you back to at the level that you were before or have you succeeded the level of where you were at before, like in terms of success and wealth? I'm pretty much back to where I was before. I'm still, I have, uh, I had some, um, some pretty serious medical debt, of course, as goes with oh, yeah. you know, living in America. So I'm dealing with that. Uh, at one point, at one point, I had over $600,000 in medical debt. Ooh, now, yeah. obviously, the the uh, the hospital, to their credit, eliminated a lot of that. Yeah. As uh, I've still got about 80 grand I'm dealing with. But they eliminated a lot of that. At one point, I got a bill for like $235,000 and I just laughed. Like, what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. What nah. are you going to do? There's nothing I can do about that. So yeah. one thing I've been doing is since the since 2019, I started getting into some of the mo- mentoring and coaching realm that started with real estate. I kind of wanted, after my process, I kind of wanted to give back to real estate a little bit. And it kind of snowballed from there to where I've been doing the uh, the motivational speaking, the coaching, the mentoring. I'm giving a speech at Regent University next Wednesday or this coming, yeah, this coming Wednesday. So just kind of transitioning to that, which started real estate and how has now kind of gone into other fields also. Just trying to let folks know that, you know, you can come back from stuff and you're not, your life is not set in stone, you know. You entered into motivational speaking and mentoring and coaching. How has that been going for you? I love it. It's, I think it's ultimately where my heart is now and it's what I'm completely transitioning into. I like, you know, being able to help, you know, whether it's young agents or just, you know, young people in general kind of shift into what they want to do next or where they want to go. I think we're surrounded by a lot of negative thoughts and a lot of negative thinking you know, I know that when I transitioned from a chemist to real estate agent in 2007, I had to deal with a lot of negativity from both, you know, some family, but, you know, peers, friends, coworkers. And I think a lot of young people are under the impression that things can't change and they can't create their own change. And I think it's my partly my job to remind them that they can. And number two, I think they need to understand that they have options that they need to be able to take advantage of. And and I'll give you a case in point. I've got a friend of mine that runs Miami Web Fest, and I helped him with the volunteers and things of that nature in 2022. And what was interesting is we had about 10 or 12 interns that we were dealing with, and we had let them know, you know, if anybody you want to meet and talk to, we'll make the introductions. Now, again, this is Miami, Florida. This is all of the cream of the crop of Miami, Florida. And all of these interns work either working within the industry, want to work in the industry or going to school for the industry. So this is their opportunity to meet these people in a, in a one-on-one environment. And we were doing a Thursday night restaurant, I guess, kind of a, the cream of the crop was kind of hanging out. 
And the interns, there was four or five of them that were literally sitting on their phones the entire night or just talking to each other. And I walked over to them. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? We've got, you know, even if you don't connect with an individual, at least try, even if they're a jerk. Okay, well, that's fine. You don't ever have to talk to this person again, but you're not getting any further in your life and career by staring into that phone or talking to the intern beside you. I mean, I actually got to meet a lady that was on the Cuban boat lift as a child and wow. wrote, did a documentary, talked about her journey from and her father's journey from Cuba to America and how that process worked, what it was like to be on that boat. Fascinating individual. I could have spent all night talking to her and I never would have made that connection if I hadn't point blank walked up to her and was like, how are you doing this evening? Do you need anything? You know, just a standard opening conversation. And, you know, I'll always remember that story. And, and I'm and, you know, it, to me, it's important to do that type of stuff, to, to know those type of people, because, again, what where else in this world would I have ever met that woman? It just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, there was a couple of things you mentioned, one of them negative thoughts. And another thing you mentioned is, you know, lack of connection. You know, it feels like everybody is just kind of focused on the online world, you know, with social media. And I think social media can also feed into a lot of negative thought. Do you feel that that's like a major problem, like negative thought and social media usage? Do you feel that's a major problem, especially among the young generation? I think negative thoughts are, are a problem in any generation, including my own. I think, you know, I myself have definitely have some imposter syndrome to where you kind of wonder if you're valid or good enough to speak on something or, you know, even after all of these years of success in real estate, there are times when I think, okay, well, I'm never going to sell another house again. No, my phone's going to quit ringing, which is really silly. If you think about it, if you've got a track record of success, the phone is not going to magically not, you know, stop ringing, but that still pops into my head at least once a month or so to where it's like, okay, I'm done. I got to go get a job at Walmart. No one's ever going to hire me again. I think young people have a problem with either standing up for themselves or talking to people in general, like making phone calls and calling your doctor's office. Or if your meal, you can, you know, they won't even argue the point if if the food server delivers your meal and the meal is not the way you want it, you'll just eat it anyway. You don't have to be rude, but you can also say, hey, my meal is wrong. I need somebody to go back there and correct it. There's nothing wrong with that. Having that conversation doesn't have to be confrontational in any way, shape or form. So I think young people have a problem with that to the, they're almost to the opposite where they don't want to confront or make anybody feel bad, but at the same time, they're getting taken advantage of. And, you know, you have to, you know, everybody can be a connection in your world, whether you know it or not. I mean, there's a reason I was at Miami Web Fest. The creator, Brian Thompson, is a friend of mine, and I met him because I helped him sell his real estate, his property years ago. We stayed in touch. And then when he started making his movies and doing his thing, he's asked me to, you know, be in a couple of his movies, just as minor bit parts. But I took the time to establish a human connection with Brian. So, and he remembered that when the time came. So it kind of snowballed from there. And I think that's what a lot of people miss out on that. I'm not saying you have to use anybody or that's your angle, but at the same time, if you're polite with people and nice and generally 
speak to people on a regular basis, you would be amazed how that one person can possibly change the entire trajectory of your life. And you not even realize it at the time, you know, never dismiss anybody simply because you may not have anything in common with them because maybe you're young and they're old or vice versa, or, you know, they're from a, their background is completely different from yours. You never want to dismiss anybody because again, you could have a real connection with that person or they may be able to say, Hey, you need to go talk to that person because that person needs what you're looking for and can help you out. Advice. How is the real estate market right now? I'm not, I'm, I don't know much about real estate, but every time I turn on the news, I don't hear good things. I also hear about this company called BlackRock that's like buying up all the properties. Is the real estate still good kind of market for a young person to go into to make money? Real estate is still good. The The problem we've got is we have no inventory. It just doesn't exist. You know, obviously rates have gone up, but rates are not over the top. What has happened is that we have an entire generation that grew up with low interest rates. So they're not used to seeing to where seven is a high interest rate. Everybody forgets late 70s, early 80s, interest rates were 13%. So we've just had this run of low interest rates and interest rates will come back down. We just don't have enough inventory. That's 90% of our problem. And that, of course, affects rental property because clearly rental prices have gone up and they're going to continue to go up. That also affects any, any sort of property that's going to, that's your, your first time home buyer property. Those values have gone up and those values have changed, but it's not impossible to buy something. As far as like BlackRock, most of your corporate buyers really are only at about a eight to nine to 10% level. And there's always going to be that market that exists for that. That's no different than an investor buying a property, flipping it and putting it back on the market. That's a good thing because the problem with a with an investment property that let's say it's an older home that's beat up. Well, number one, you can't get a loan on the property, which means your average homeowner can't buy it anyway. Even if they wanted to, they can't get a loan for it. So you're better off having an investor come in, paying cash money. They're going to flip it, fix it up. And then that new homeowner can purchase that property with a proper loan. So that's just that's just that's the way the market goes. It always has gone and, and will continue to go that way. I think media hits us both negatively and positively on purpose to create clicks, to create drama and to keep themselves relevant. Nine out of 10 times I can, I can write, I, I've been asked to write stories. Well, you know, well, is the market negative? And I'm like, no, the market is not going to, it's not negative. Is the market positive? Well, of course it's positive, but you know, you can pick and choose and believe what you want to believe and you can twist it 15 different ways to Sunday. And Markets are different because they're different markets. The California market, the Florida market, the New York market is way different from the Virginia market. And even within the Virginia market, I live in Hampton Roads, which is essentially Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Virginia area. We have a ton of military. We always have folks coming and going as opposed to Northern Virginia, which you know is essentially right up in the D.C. area. Their numbers are going to be a lot higher than ours for price points. And they're going to have even less opportunities to buy than we do down here in, in Hampton Roads. So I think real estate is fine. It's going to do what it's going to do. But again, you and I both know 
I can spin just about anything negative or positive as I see fit. If you had to give some advice to a young entrepreneur or somebody trying to get into the real estate market, what would that be? My advice for any young entrepreneur trying to do anything realistically is move in the dark. And that essentially means don't tell everybody your plans. Start on your plans, find your tribe, your people, which you can do on the internet now just about anywhere. And you don't need to tell everybody what you're doing because there's so many negative people or people have a preconceived notion on who you are and what you're going to do. And that's okay, but you don't need to tell them everything. I see a lot of young investors that know all of the lingo and know all the talk, but quite honestly, haven't pulled the trigger on anything and aren't prepared to buy anything. It's kind of like you're playing, you're playing pretend. Do you want to play pretend or do you want to actually be an investor? Sooner or later, you're going to have to pull the trigger on something and not make excuses. You just have to. I liken it to, you know, we've, we've been blessed. We have a casino in our area now. And I enjoy playing poker, so I'll go and play some poker from time to time. And you'll see the guy at the table that that can play with the chips, knows all the lingo, wears the sunglasses, and looks like a poker player would look like. But every single day, he's going home $400 you know, less in his pocket, as opposed to the 70-year-old old dude in the corner that's been playing poker since he was 15, and he's cleaning house every day, keeps his mouth shut, plays his game, and does his thing. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the grizzled veteran that keeps his mouth shut and is successful? Or do you want to be the cocky guy that knows all the lingo, but you know, you're the one going home losing every day and you have to look at it from that perspective. I get you. Oh, it feels like there's a lot of people out there who are the guy that you mentioned that's wearing the sunglasses. That's pretending. It's a lot of people who uh, want to give the appearance of something, but not actually doing the work to actually get there. If you get what I'm saying, uh, oh, yeah. a lot of people, oh, yeah. a lot of people just pretending, especially with social media and uh, whatnot. So uh, this, this is a very interesting talk, man. I learned a lot and your story is very inspirational. Uh, I have one final question. If they were to make a movie about your life, what actor would you want to play you? Wow, <laughs> that's a yeah, kinda... <laughs> that's a loaded question there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm only five nine at best, so obviously yeah. we need somebody short. I think Tom Cruise is five nine, but he's way better looking than I'll ever hope to be. <laughs> uh, let's go with Robert Downey Jr. just because he's an, he's a really good actor. Yeah. And so I would say Rob. We'll say we'll go with Robert Downey Jr. Awesome, awesome. All right, then this was a great talk. Before I let you go, where can people go online to find you? Okay, uh, we just were in the middle of revamping and or finishing, depending on your point of view, uh, whatbobthinks.com and also what Bob thinks on Facebook. Getting ready to put out a, a e-course on there, want more, take more. You can also find me as part of the niche work. And quite honestly, I am old school. Go to my LinkedIn, Bob Thompson, my Facebook, Bob Thompson, Thompson, yeah, try that again, Bob Thompson, <laughs> can't even say my own name today. Um, send me a message. They can actually give me a phone call. I'm weird like that. Send me an email, text me, send me a phone call. I'll answer the phone. If I can't answer the phone, I'll let you know that I can and I'll, you know, respond with a text. But, you know, by all means, you can go to my website, find my number, give me a call. Doesn't hurt my feelings at all. 
reach out to me on Facebook. I actually like it. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of uh, motivational podcasts. I've done uh, uh, podcasts on real estate. And I like it when somebody reaches out. And even if it's just to say, hey, I like that little nugget of information you gave me. That makes me feel good and feel like it's worthwhile, you know, putting myself out there a little bit. And I would prefer to folks learn from my stupidities than fail on their own, I guess. Uh -huh. Hey, this is a great talk. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. If you need anything, I'm here. All right, will do. Take care. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to fuel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.